Welcome to Content Disrupted, Bold Takes on Brand Marketing, the podcast accelerating a revolution in brand storytelling. I'm your host, Casey Noble, and together we'll explore the tech-fueled transformation of brand content and share new ideas and growth strategies from industry-leading marketers around the world. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Content Disrupted, Bold Takes on Brand Marketing. Joining us today is Todd Unger. He's the Chief Experience Officer, SVP of Marketing, and Member Experience Lead at the American Medical Association. Todd has an incredible amount of experience driving digital marketing innovation for some of the most influential brands in the world, including AOL, Procter & Gamble, the Leo Burnett Company, and Time. He was also the chief marketing officer and the chief digital officer at the Daily Racing Forum and the VP of marketing at U-Star Entertainment Group. So Todd, we're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Casey, thanks for having me. So today we're going to be talking about brand storytelling in the digital age. And to kind of get us started, I have this question that I love to ask marketers. So I don't know if you've had this experience, but when I've tried to explain to people what I do in content marketing, I always end up digressing into like the history of digital publishing. You know, I'm pretty sure my daughter just thinks I drink coffee and type on my computer for a living. You're a chief experience officer. This is a title that's been around for a little while, but it's still relatively new, even to some people within the marketing industry. So I'm really curious, how do you describe what it is that you do to friends or family members who have no idea what a chief experience officer is? Well, I've made up my own definition because all of my attempts to figure that out when I first started were not successful. There's not really a great definition out there. So on my third anniversary, I came up with a statement. It's the seamless integration of product, marketing, commerce, and service to acquire and retain customers. That's my definition of customer experience. And that is the role that I serve as chief experience officer is to make that happen. So I love that you called out the fact that the customer experience is really the convergence of several different, typically siloed marketing functions. And I think a lot of marketers struggle with how to bring those different disciplines and often siloed teams responsible for each of those functions together. So as a chief experience officer, how do you go about approaching that with your team? Yeah, it is a big challenge. And we hear a lot of people talk about creating a customer-centric organization or a customer-centric culture. But what a lot of people don't talk about is creating a customer-centric organizational structure. And that is where the problem starts. And I was going to wait till the end to plug my book, which is the 10-second customer journey. And it's the underlying premise that if you want to have great customer experience in the digital age, all four of those things have to work together. And most companies are not set up to do that. They operate individually, they report up to different people, and it's very hard to weave all those activities together. I'm lucky because when I first started at the AMA, there were a lot of things in regard to membership where we had basically oversight of the major portions of all four of those things. And we could make a lot of progress because we could basically unify across all four As I found as I've gone through, now we're kind of more at enterprise level change where collaborating and working together as teams across the organization, that's where the real payoff is. That's the deeper enterprise change. But it's my job to kind of bring that together. 
And now you've described yourself as a productive disruptor. And I think that dovetails in a nice way with what you were just talking about in terms of someone who can come in and institute change, but do that in a positive way that sort of brings people along on the journey. So can you talk a little bit about what a productive disruptor is in your own words and what that meant coming into an organization like the American Medical Association? Yeah, sure. I'll start by saying I didn't make up that term. It came from Russell Reynolds, to whom I will be eternally grateful for, for recruiting me to the AMA. But they coined that term a number of years ago to describe a certain kind of person in the C-suite that differed from other people in very tangible dimensions around innovation and disruption, boldness of leadership, kind of social adeptness and determination. I use, I guess, easier to understand phrase, pragmatic change agents who aren't just sitting around talking about making change, but are actually really good at doing it and are really the people that can drive the business of transformation in an organization because they understand they're not the visionary person necessarily, like big, huge ideas that are terrifying to people, or they're not the kind of person that walks in and just like breaks everything. They're a person that understands what that end state looks like and are just going to plow through and work until those are done. And, you know, back to that tornado funnel or digital ready organization that we were talking about earlier and fixing the structure. People are not generally very happy in structures where all four of those pieces of experience are not working together. It's not pleasant. And so a lot of times it does take somebody in that classification of a productive disruptor to come in, look at a process and say, that's not working very well. And they have the authority to kind of change it. And so this is a great example from the early days at AMA. I came in and I had seen this report from an outside consulting firm that said it took 47 days to send out an email from kind of like, hey, I want to send out an email to like push the button. And that just seemed extraordinary. And I started going through the report as to why that was and made kind of an executive decision that we were going to change that process. And I'm going to roll up my sleeves and work side by side with the designer on new templates, new way of doing it, putting a testing program into place. And lo and behold, it took it down from 47 days to eight days immediately, then to two, then to one, and then hours. And so changing that process, you know, that can have the potential for rubbing some people the wrong way. No one likes to get cut out of a process. But at the end, when we announced that change, there were actual like cheers because no one wants to be trapped in a system that doesn't work, but it takes the level of authority to come in and just say, I'm not going to do that anymore and kind of release people and put a more productive process in place. So I'm really curious about how purpose plays a role in that. You know, at Skyward, we're really about helping brands optimize the content creation supply chain just end to end. So it's really common for us to run into those metrics, like 48 days to get an email out, you know, two months to publish a blog post. And what often seems to be the case is that marketing teams have started focusing on production and just getting stuff out of the door. And I think part of that is because of the acceleration of digital marketing and the need to just feed so many different marketing channels. You start producing, but losing sight of the broader purpose of what it is that you're doing. So given that focus is so important, that purpose is so important, especially today in brand marketing, you know, what are your thoughts on purpose and how it fits into your digital marketing agenda? Everything you're saying is very resonant. And I would say the first thing you need to figure out, it sounds very straightforward, is your objectives. And for us, it was very clarifying for the team when we laid out what our goals were around membership growth and retention, brand sentiment, 
and digital audience, all three of those things. And they together kind of build a check on each other. If we're not growing, I don't care what you're doing. It's not working. And so that's kind of like the fundamental thing. It's about growth. And that's a different way, I think, than people typically speak about experience. But it's not just growth at all costs. We measure how people are thinking about our brand and whether we're delivering on what we say we are. And then there's an audience component. But again, I'm not trying to generate 300 million people a month. I could do that very easily, but it's not going to contribute to the other two. And so it's really about finding that set of metrics that is going to deliver the kind of growth that you're looking for. Now, you mentioned another thing, which is like people are in that produce and activity cycle. You got to be clear on why you're doing what you're doing. It's not just about, you know, I want to do a podcast. I want to start up a new Instagram feed or whatever. It's like, why? How will that contribute to your set of goals? And back to your brand purpose. The number one thing is, and we'll talk more about it, is clearly defined target audience and then a crystal clear, what I call digital ready brand proposition that gets to your point about purpose. And so if that's not coming across and you haven't defined those two things well, I wouldn't mess around with any of the other stuff. Like you should not be building content until you have those two things clear. Because if you have them in place, then your content marketing program is going to deliver the growth that you're looking for. And it's not just going to be activity. So tell me a little bit more about how you unpack this concept of the digital ready brand value proposition. What does that look like? This goes back to my training at Procter & Gamble, but really Leo Burnett. I spent seven years in advertising there. And that's where I really learned about this idea of the brand proposition, or at least how I build it, where there are the functional pieces of what you do. Then there is some kind of consumer insight that allows you to build in, I'll call it a more emotional component. And I'm not talking about getting people to laugh or cry or anything like that. What I say is it's about getting the nod. And so you've got to have some insight into your customers out there. It may be related to the product or not, that just gets them to the nod. I understand what they're talking about. I feel it because I've experienced that, whatever that is. And in today's day and age, it's got to be the combination of those two things. And as we think about how marketing works in digital right now, the thing that I see that's most compelling as I watch ads that roll through my social feeds or anywhere online, it is about getting the nod. And they're not out there firing features and benefits at you. They're just getting the nod of understanding. And once you kind of could have achieved that, then I can hit that button that says, learn more. Because in the digital age, you basically have like three seconds to get this done. And so you better have something crystal clear that communicates in three seconds and invites people into your experience matrix, as I call it, then they can learn more. Then I can do additional and longer storytelling, but it's got to work in three seconds. And I love that because it's really sort of a race for attention and a race for meaning, right? Like what we found from our buyer research is that there's so much frustration around noise and irrelevance. People have no patience for it. And so I feel like getting the customer nod, it's really about instantly establishing really meaningful relevance. So how do you go about determining what's relevant? What research tools or methods are you using to really stay in touch with what's relevant and top of mind for your customers? I do want to just touch on something you just talked about, because I've gotten this question in the past about the noise and about clutter. And this goes to kind of one of my principles about how I think about audiences and about storytelling, which is your audience is an enthusiast audience, no matter what you work in. And they have virtually unlimited appetite 
for the things they're interested in, and basically none for what they're not interested in. And so you have that opportunity through your storytelling platform to meet that need and create that sense of engagement with people. But you have to be a thing they're interested in because you're not just going to be able to insert yourself in there and start talking to somebody about soccer who doesn't like soccer. And so that's why it's so important that you start out with the right targeting because you have to have that basically nailed before you enter the digital ecosystem to make sure you're not creating friction there. Then you've got that brand proposition. I'm very into fitness, very into nutrition, stuff like that. And you get in your mind, like, I'm going to do a deep research dive on protein. And for that moment in time, I'm a protein enthusiast and I am open to literally every piece of information I can get. And I'm just waiting for somebody to fill that and get the nod from me about what it is that I'm thinking about and what I want. And then you lock in, you're done. That whole process is a few seconds or a couple minutes. It's not months. I call it the tornado funnel. That's what it's about today. Content plays such an important role in getting somebody from, I see it to, I love it in a few seconds. And I want to talk a little bit about the role of content because at Skyward, we like to say the customer experience, especially today, really is a content experience. Marketing isn't just responsible for attracting traffic and then collecting leads and then tossing those over the fence to sales anymore. It's really about owning the entire customer journey. And since there's less face-to-face interaction and our customers want to be more empowered and proactive about their research and decision-making process, content plays a really critical role in enabling that. So how do you think about content and its role in the customer experience that you're creating as a whole? Yeah, it's incredibly important. And again, they're the key parts of experience, product marketing, commerce, service, you kind of said, it cuts across all that, but content plays such an important role across all of those things. That idea about how you treat your potential prospects out there and your customers with content, treating them like enthusiasts, feeding that demand for knowledge is so very important. And for us at AMA, there are really two key ways that content fits into that program. For us, we're not selling a tangible product. This is not a company that's selling shoes or making meals in a restaurant. This is about an idea. And it's about being a physician's powerful ally in patient care when a physician just wants to do the thing that they want to do and love, which is make people better. And they've got all of these barriers to that. And they just need somebody in their corner that they can trust to represent them and do what they can't do by themselves. So that's an idea. And they will hopefully subscribe and join and be a member. But what we found is the major obstacle was they don't know what we're doing in that equation. And through storytelling and through content, It becomes not a thing you do at the beginning or at the end, but throughout the year, 24-7, broadcasting the proof of what we're doing there. And the other part is we're a mission organization, and a lot of the ways that you achieve goals, like helping people get their blood pressure down or addressing things like physician burnout, that's about knowledge transfer. And so the question is, how do you get that knowledge out there? And how do you get people to engage with it? Because if they don't know about it, they don't know about your research or these new ways of doing it, and they can't put that work into action. So you've obviously done an incredible job of you know, reinvigorating the brand awareness and digital strategy at the AMA, and you have the metrics to back that up. So I would love if you can make that real for us and share some specific examples of strategies that have driven really meaningful returns for you guys. 
So I'm just going to start by something that's obviously very relevant to you. And that was the repositioning of what I would call our content operation into a content marketing operation. And so there was a already in place a news operation when I started the AMA. They were really great, believe it or not. There was like a newspaper many, many years ago that was published. But that news, which is the major traffic generator for the website, stood on its own domain didn't have membership hooks or anything kind of built into it and didn't necessarily reflect the objectives of the organization. And so when I came in and we started to do that analysis about who we were reaching on what kind of search terms and what our topic areas were that we needed to do, it was clear that there was a disconnect between those two things. And so again, back to that seamless experience, it was let's reevaluate and re-envision our content as a marketing vehicle to tell the story of what the AMA is doing and to distribute its mission work combined with a much better website that allowed it to be discoverable and for people to be able to navigate through that, then an expansion of our channels into what I call kind of our 6S storytelling platform. This actually came from the person that runs our content on our team is that you do have your site and you have search and you've got your storytelling subscriptions, social, and streaming. And so that's our storytelling ecosystem. Believe it or not, we've been doing video for a number of years, but our video relative to last year is up over 300%. And so that's the thing. It's like you got to make the commitment and then you got to do the work to support. And in any content operation, like you see, it's tough work to sustain and be consistent without getting distracted by the latest platform before you're ready to do that. And positioning feels so important in that because there can be this tendency to feel pressure to shift your positioning too often, I think nowadays, you know, whether it's to be more competitive with like digital upstarts and incumbents coming into the market or brands wanting to reinvent themselves to align better with what's going on culturally. If you're with an older brand, make your brand feel more modern and fresh, but you don't want to be changing your positioning and messaging every six months. So I'm curious if you have a framework for developing and positioning and messaging that's really enduring and lasting. You know, where does that start for you? I mean, it starts at the brand strategy level, what I call that digital ready brand proposition. That has to be enduring. It can't keep changing because you stand for one thing in a customer or consumer's mind, and you don't really have the flexibility to keep adjusting to that. For us, putting that North Star in the ground as the physicians and patient care it was a big move for us to be able to kind of say to somebody in a very succinct way, I always say, think like a landing page. You get one line and three bullet points. That's it. So if you can't explain your brand story in that framework, then you're kind of sunk. Have you ever like, do you talk to clients and they have like, here's our brand strategy. And it's like a page long and it has words like empower. We will empower people. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, you got a sentence and three bullet points. And then for us, I think one of the key things, seeing how strong that proposition was, is there was a way that we expressed that in the couple of years before the pandemic that was about showing our members and talking about proof. Then there was an entirely different need from our audience in the pandemic. How do we demonstrate physicians' powerful and patient care? And again, it's not just through content. It's through the whole organization saying, that's the North Star. How do we deliver against that? And then now, as we've shifted out of that, it does mean something a little bit different. And that is the basis for a campaign we've got going now called the Recovery Plan for America's Physicians. You took care of the nation during the pandemic. Now it's time to take care of you. 
talk about getting the nod. That's the kind of insight, but it all is built off the same strategy. We don't change that. I love that. So we all need that frame and then to flex within that frame. An enduring value proposition, an enduring purpose, that's the frame. And then calibrate as you go along based on what's top of concern for your customers, what's going on with your customers. So if we can zoom back for a second, we've been talking about brand storytelling. And let's be honest, that's kind of a buzzword in the industry. So you have a degree in finance. You have an MBA from Harvard. You have this long, impressive career in marketing. And you've really had this front row seat to some of the biggest shifts from traditional advertising and paid media to now more organic digital marketing and new channels coming up in digital marketing. I'm really curious about that jump and the blended background of business and marketing and your perspective, given that background. So are there specific people or experiences that you feel like have shaped how you think about brand storytelling with that kind of mix of business fundamentals and marketing fundamentals in your career? It is a funny question. My wife has a colleague who's like an organizational scholar in Carl Wyke. And he said, basically, your career only looks like it makes sense in retrospect. And that is the case with mine, because as I was going through it, I didn't expect it to add up. And I never expected to be a chief experience officer for that matter. But part of my career was built around consumer marketing and advertising. There was a big part about digital product management and digital website management and then a third layer of commerce, and then where I am now, which is those three things plus the service layer. And I didn't know that that was my training for being a chief experience officer and was going to inform the perspective that I have about those four building blocks. I call it putting the X in CXO, product, marketing, commerce, and service. Those are the ends of the X that you have to bring together. But now that I am kind of where I am, like every place, every layer has built on the other one to inform the way that I think about storytelling. It's very growth-oriented, and it's very tied to brand strategy and targeting as the basis for what you're doing, very purposeful in that regard. And it has to result in that kind of objective uh, being met at the end. I think a lot of people think about this term storytelling. They think about like narrative structure and long and whatever. And the way I think about it is your brand proposition is the story. And all these platforms out there are just your broadcast network to tell that story. And you got to do it in the digital age a couple of seconds at a time because you're just not going to get the attention of someone to sit down even for 30 seconds with you. So I always tell my team, we got to get 20 minutes with people. We're not going to get it all at once. Go out and tell that story in little chunks that add up to the big picture by the end. And if we can get that and get that level of attention in the end, then we're going to be able to make our case. I love that. So as you're looking at the big picture that you're trying to execute, the total customer experience, are there any essential ingredients? What do you think makes an exceptional customer experience? Well, I think it goes back to where we started. And it's about the integration of those four points. I call it the tornado funnel. I mentioned it earlier in this. The way the world works right now, people don't walk through this kind of uh, structured marketing funnel where like, oh, I'm aware of you. I think I'm interested in you. Maybe I'll try you and then I'll come back. These things are world together. And so the time between somebody becoming aware of you and when they buy you is seconds. And that's the derivation of that 10 second customer journey. And to succeed in that environment, it means that you have to stamp out the friction 
all the way through that process so you can get through it in seconds or enable someone else to do that. So you got to have a great target definition and make sure you're talking to the right people. You've got to have that digital ready brand proposition so you can get them to nod. You've got to be adept at using the storytelling platform, each channel for the right thing and be able to measure how each one is delivering. You've got to make sure that your commerce platform is optimized so that there's not friction there that stops somebody in their tracks. Of course, your product has to deliver. And then you need to treat your audience like enthusiasts. And if they are enthusiastic, if you are one of those things that they're interested in, then they'll want to hear from you and they'll want to stay connected. So it's hard to say one thing, but I say, look at experience that way. Not just about feelings, but it is about growth and about working together. That's the way it's got to be in this era. So I think you just did a great job of distilling what a lot of marketers are trying to unpack right now. Now I want to shift a little bit into the future. All right, future outlook. So given how quickly things are changing in the marketing world, in the world at large, are there specific technologies or market drivers that you're paying attention to right now and that you'd advise other marketers to get ahead of immediately? Like this is not 10 years out, folks. This is what you need to be paying attention to right now. It feels like a very leading question. If I don't say AI, I think I would be wrong. Yeah, generative AI. That's the elephant in the room, right? I think it's going to have a transformative impact on that whole tornado funnel. It's not like we haven't been dealing with AI already. This has already revolutionized targeting on social platforms and all of those algorithms that help you talk to the people that you want to talk to. But now when we think about content and AI, there's going to be a huge opportunity for how we think about that. Obviously, the kind of quantity and velocity of it is going to be very, very affected. And I know we're already experimenting with how to produce more, how to feed some of those storytelling channels like search through using some of these large language models like ChatGPT. As I always say, in my world of medicine, our content has to be 100% hallucination free. And so we are tiptoeing into that and experimenting, but there will always be a human overlay to that. And we look at it as an augmentation tool, just like physicians are looking at AI as an augmentation tool to help them do better what they already do. So I would say that arena, of course, huge, but there's so many other kinds of customer experience tools. If you just follow the funnel, there's one at every level right now. And many of your probably partners or vendors are incorporating them in already. And so you don't have to invent everything yourself. You can just take advantage of what other people are doing as well. Yeah, I think your comparison to the medical industry is really apt because there's a certain level of expertise required to meet customer expectations today, right? There's accuracy, there's quality, there's this demand for uniqueness, especially with the amount of noise out there. And we're competing on the quality of our experiences at the end of the day. So that means we're competing on fresh ideas. We're competing on fresh insights, on depth. That has to be the starting point. And then generative AI should really be all about scaling that. Yeah, I think that's the positive side. The thing that I wake up in a cold sweat about is thinking about a content marketing model and how that will be impacted by AI. Obviously, you make a deal, which you build content, people search for it, and they get to your website, and that's where your funnel is. If those answers that people are seeking no longer come from your site or from you, and they get aggregated anonymously and an answer that comes from a search engine, that's going to have a tremendous impact 
and create a huge loss of value for anybody publishing right now. And so I have faith that in the technology world that we will figure out some answer to this because that's just not going to work. Now, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit for advice for future marketers. So rising marketers who aspire to be chief experience officers, what's your advice to them on how to prepare for that? What mindset to have? What does it take? Yeah, I would say, you know, first of all, there has never been a better time to be in marketing than right now. It's the single most exciting time that I've ever been through. But at the same time, there are a lot of challenges to being successful in marketing and particularly for chief marketing officers right now because they don't necessarily have the leverage over the experience dimensions that we've been talking about here. And so that impact across not only marketing, but product, commerce, and service. And they may not be adept at them necessarily, uh, or even have access to them. But the lack of unification around those things is probably why CMOs only have a tenure of three years, because there's so much that's not in their control. And so I think that as a marketer, you do need to be able to be adept with those other parts of the equation. I think we need to look for leaders who've got training in marketing across digital product management, who understand the service component and how that ties in there and are not only familiar with product development, but are involved in at the table. And I think a lot of these things, you know, hopefully will be resolved at like a higher level in an organization as people there start to say like, this is not working, the typical structures that we have. We can't just count on like voluntary collaboration to make this work. We got to change the structure. So I would say up your skills, make sure that you have high level of skills within that storytelling platform, that you've not just limited yourself to being a brand person, but you've got to be able to enact the kind of marketing transformation using all those tools and expanding into the levers of experience if you really want to play today. Great advice. And, you know, I think that's a wake up call for CEOs and other executives everywhere. Empower your CMOs to be able to, you know, play that cross-functional role. I just dislike that word so much, empower. I want them to change their structures and then you can let people loose and they'll figure it out. But it is a different way of thinking and structuring. Awesome. So Todd, we've touched on a couple of these questions, but if I can keep you for just another minute, I would love to go through a little speed round with you. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and the challenge for you is to tell me in a word or a few words what immediately comes to your mind. So ready? Okay, ready to go. All right, here we go. As a marketer, what keeps you up at night? Growing. What keeps you going? Passion. What marketing term do you love? Growth. Spoken like a guy with an MBA. I'm pretty consistent. <laughs> okay, so what marketing term do you hate? We already answered that. Empower. Yeah, I know. Empower. Duly noted. All right. What emoji best describes the current state of marketing? Wow face. I love that. Yeah, maybe the exploding head. You see, you know. And finally, the eternal debate, quality or quantity? Quality. Love it. Thank you so much, Todd. I love this conversation with you. Quick before we sign off, can you give us the name of your book again? Is it out? How can folks get their hands on it? So the book is called The 10 Second Customer Journey, and it is going to come out in April of 2024, available for pre-sale on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and other favorite places right now. As I say, they may run out, so you better pre-order today. All right, awesome. I know I'm going to reserve my copy. Todd Unger, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me and the audience here at Content Disrupted today. 
It's been a blast. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to Content Disrupted brought to you by Skyward. To stay up to date on the latest ideas and insights in content marketing, visit our website at skyward.com. Join us for our next episode where we'll continue to challenge marketing norms and inspire you with fresh strategies for growing business through brand storytelling. See you there.